and welcome to another episode of the Fangirls Library. It's good to have you back with us. I'm Annie. And I'm Kristen. Annie, how are you doing? I'm doing well. It's still cold. I'm keeping warm. What about you? Keeping warm, survive the holidays, back at work. Yeah, yeah, the holidays. Oh, man. That was a weird one, huh? It was a weird one. Um, Our show closed three days early because of too many COVID cases. So sign of the times. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, We canceled our trip to California because we thought our plane was going to be canceled. And sure enough, uh, our flight was canceled. So right call there for so many other reasons though. Yeah. You know, no, I mean the show closing was the smart move of the theater to do to keep people safe. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been a weird weird time. I feel like I've said this before in in our chats, but like last year was weird because it was so isolating. We were still technically Mm -hmm. um, in lockdown. I mean, I know some things were open in schools. You could send your kids to school. We didn't. Um, But this year was weird because the cases were just as bad, even higher, Mm -hmm. yet nothing was shut down. And there's like this indecision, like, do we do the thing? Do we not do the thing? It's it's yeah, weird. It, it's weird daily at work. Even I'm like, we're here and we're doing a show like everything's normal, but it's not normal. And someone will be out from the show and they can't, which I understand they can't legally tell us why they're out because of medical privacy. Sure. Sure. But it's like someone will be out and everyone's like, do they have COVID? Are they out because of COVID? Or do they have a cold? Or do they have the flu? Why aren't they here? Why is so-and-so like I missed or a, a family show. emergency? Well, or I whatever. missed a show yeah. just for a personal reason. I came back and everyone was like, were you sick? And I'm like, no, no I wasn't sick. I wasn't sick. I'm okay. Like, um, yeah. So it, it's just, it's weird. And you definitely feel a different energy and people are a little more heightened with everything. There is a general sense of anxiety Mm -hmm. floating around. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's weird, but we, we made it through and we made it through and we're healthy. (laughs) There's that we're healthy and hopefully our podcast will bring a little happiness and light to everyone's lives. That is a little anxious and on edge. And I do think that reading does that. I mean, I've definitely escaped into books and fanfic when things were at their worst Mm -hmm. and it just helps me take my mind off of everything. I mean, I've said this before on Twitter, but I really, and I've seen other people say it, that fanfic was their savior during 2020 and beyond. (laughs) Well, I'm going to even take it back pre-2020. Yes. Um, I took a really long break from fanfic. And not to get political, but the second Trump was elected president, Mm -hmm. that is what I started reading because I could not deal with the day-to-day stuff. And so I went from like being so immersed in the news and, oh my God, what's Mm -hmm. going on? What's he doing next? And there was, again, this sense of anxiety with Mm -hmm. everything happening that I was like, no, no, I'm making myself sick. I'm going to go to some, to a comfort zone. And that's when I really got into fanfic again. I mean, that's a really interesting point because I also took a break from probably shortly after college up until roughly about the same time, which also coincided, I think, with the revival. And I also, I mean, during that same time, went back and did an X-Files rewatch. And I think all those are definitely comfort things to wrap yourself in. And Yes, yes. So speaking of that, uh, what have you been reading lately, Annie? 
I actually have been reading Diary of a Wimpy Kid with my kids. Um, my daughter's a little bit older and she's mm-hmm. starting to think about middle school and what that's going to be like. And um, I think we discovered the short movie first. There's, mm-hmm. there's one that's just under an hour. It's mm-hmm. animated. And I was like, this is perfect. And um, we watched that and that kind of generated some interest. And we already had the books. My husband was writing this not, I guess it's more of a kid's story. Um, and so he had a bunch of the books and the kids were never really into them. Um, but I, like I said, I think, um, my daughter's just the right age. And so we've been reading a lot of those and they're like fun and silly. And, uh, I, I wouldn't say it's a very accurate, accurate representation, at least of what I experienced mm-hmm. in middle school. But you know, there's a general sense that kids can be jerks. And I'm like, mm, yeah, I kind of remember that. <laughs> well, that's such a great thing you can do together as a family too. Yes. And pass we your read. love of reading on. We read all the time together. Nice. And just because of the uh, other podcast, AFP, mm-hmm. I practice reading things out loud, even just like an article that I'm reading online Mm -hmm. or instructions, I'll just say them out loud. And so there's, I feel like there's constant reading going on. What about you? What have you been reading? So over the holidays, um, I was working on a Christmas Carol, which we do every year, except for 2020 at my work. Um, and I realized I had never actually read Christmas Carol, like the real Dickens version. Like I'd read the script they give us. I'd read the script they gave us, but... um, Not even in school. They never made you read it. No, no. Oh, fascinating. So I read A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. How was it? um, Not my favorite Dickens. (laughs) That's okay. Not my favorite Dickens. Uh, It was was good, but I definitely... There are other Dickens books I enjoy more than... Oh, any recommendations then on your favorite? My favorite Dickens is A Tale of Two Cities which I very clearly remember reading for the first time in sixth grade to which my teacher was like, that's the book you're picking from the library for reading. And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, okay. That's really advanced. Um, I did start reading. I was reading adult chapter books very early. Um, I actually got in trouble one time for one of the books I brought into school to read. They called my mom in for a conference. What was it? So embarrassing. Oh, um, it was in sixth grade and I had taken off the bookshelf at home. Um, Sydney Sheldon's The Other Side of Midnight. Um, Is it a sexy book? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. no. It's it's a very, it's it's a book that deals with um, sex, abortion, mm. um, a variety of topics, especially, I mean, for the time it was written, I think it was probably pretty edgy too. I mean, when you think I was in middle school in the early 90s, the book, I think, was from the 70s. So, I mean, okay, pretty edgy topics for what went on in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I reread it a few years ago and was like, I was like, I should never have read this in sixth grade. Um, you know, but that's okay. Wow. My, mom, my mom's defense to the teacher was, well, at least she's reading. <laughs> I don't know if that's good defense or not. <laughs> um, it may be smut, but at least she's reading. <laughs> And I still read smut, so you know it's stuck. Uh, what it's else did I change recently? Oh, I reread um, "All Around the Town" by Mary Higgins Clark recently, which is my favorite Mary Higgins Clark book. 
Um, and I reread Family Album by Danielle Steele. Mm. I used to love Danielle Steele in high school. And I hadn't read any in a really long time. And we were actually sorting through our movies. And I found the miniseries of Jules and Family Album. And remember, those are my two favorite Danielle Steele books. So I found them at a thrift store back maybe in September. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so I reread Family Album. And it was still really good. So Yeah. I love it when books hold up. Yeah. Like, cause I wonder like some of the books that I might've read in high school, would I, would I still like them today? I'm not quite yeah. sure. Yeah. So yeah. And that's awesome. And what are you drinking today? Today I am drinking a smoothie cause recording around lunchtime. Um, oh, and do you find that soothing on your voice? I mean, it's the first time I've ever done it with recording, so okay. we'll see how it goes. Okay. Okay probably not the best idea. <laughs> I don't use milk though. I um, like dairy milk. I use oat milk. So I've always been curious if oat milk, I know they say not to do a lot of dairy with recording. Mm. I don't know how like other non like milk substitutes work with that. It should probably be. Yeah. I would imagine. Okay. So yeah, there's blueberries, spinach, oat milk. Yum. Yeah. Yum. What about you? I am caffeinating myself. I am drinking some Earl Grey. My favorite tea. Also keeping warm. <laughs> yeah. Because it is still winter, still chilly. Um, and yeah, no, nothing in it, just Earl Grey. It's well, delicious. That's how Earl Grey should be by itself. Do, do some people put stuff in it, like milk and stuff, cream? I don't know. I think people do. I've okay. never done Earl Grey. I'm very picky with my Earl Grey. Um, like what brands I like. Okay. I, this is just Trader Joe's. I like Earl Grey. Good choice. Thank you. I'm glad you approve. <laughs> In this podcast, we talked to Casey Slip and Mickey's and it was just, I found it really fascinating to dive into the world of writing and for movies and entertainment. It is much different than A, than what I thought and mm -hmm. B, what I would think um, like writing a book would be like. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. In, you know, like you write a book and you either have a publisher or you self-publish and then your book gets out there and people start reading mm -hmm. it. Whereas um, I found it really interesting how you might write a script and it'll never get made, but you can still be a working writer in Hollywood. And I, I just thought yeah. that was fascinating. And um, I hope it keeps people who are aspiring writers. Um, I hope it keeps them from being too discouraged because you can, you can do it and you can be yeah, a writer. You in can Hollywood. still make a career out of it and be successful. Yeah. Well, Hollywood's just a weird place in general. <laughs> Yeah, no. And I say that in a loving way. As no, no. Spent it, quite a bit yeah. of time in Hollywood. It's a weird place, man. Oh, yeah. No, very weird. Yeah. But um, I found her to be very uh, enlightening and inspiring. And mm -hmm. I hope that our listeners can find something of value in there. Okay, welcome, Casey. Are you going by Casey? <laughs> you, yeah, you can, yeah. Okay, you can go by Casey. Yeah. Okay, we'll go by Casey. So I don't have to call you Slip or Slip and Mickey's. Um, I, I'm out. I'll be out. We've outed you. Okay. You've outed me. <laughs> no, you've been out for a while. 
<coughs> True. Well, so, okay. You know what? Why don't we start there? How did you decide to out yourself, I guess, and stop going by just your fanfic name? Um, honestly, I got outed by my friends and not in a bad way, but like, you know, like on the timeline, you do post something and someone would respond with be like, Casey. And I'll be like, you know, and it's one of those things where you're like, who cares <laughs> if anybody knows my first name, but uh, you know, you, I got to the point also, and I think I mentioned this like the other day, I'm like, I'm 42 now. And I sort of don't give a shit when anyone thinks of me anymore. And, you know, back in the nineties, when I first, you know, created my nom de plume, it was sort of necessary because you were afraid of getting sued by Fox for, you know, copyright infringement because you're writing X-Files fan fiction. And, you know, there's a, a much bigger stigma, although there's still a stigma attached to fanfic in general, um, that you were kind of wanted to distance yourself. Sure. Um, that said, I still have two separate like Twitter accounts. I have my personal in real life, like professional Twitter account, and then my fandom Twitter account, which I think in my bio is still like, this is my anonymous fandom account, but I post pictures of myself and like people know who I am. So it's, it's not a big deal, but. Right. And I did notice that about Slip and Mickey, the Slip and Mickey's account. Cause I was like, oh, I should be careful not to call her by her name here. Yeah. Well, I don't know. At, at times I'm like, ah, do I really want people to know? But it, at the same time, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. And maybe, you know, I can be part of the solution of bringing fan fiction into the, you know, making it normative and not a bad thing or, you know, something to be looked down upon. So do you feel that it's had any sort of adverse effect on your career, your writing? Has anybody like given you any negative feedback on the fact that you started off writing fanfic? Not really. I mean, I, a lot of people don't, professionally don't really know it's I don't really advertise it but I also don't hide it if they find it they find it and that's fine okay. I mean my husband who is professionally my writing partner um he's known about it you know since we started dating for mm -hmm. what 16 17 years ago um he's a professional writer far more successful than I am um but you know when I sit down to write he doesn't ask like are you writing fan fiction or are you writing are you working on script or mm -hmm. what are you writing He's, uh, you know, he's just encouraged that he's like, Hey, you're working on story. That's great. Any writing. And that's where that's sort of my main, you know, where I'm coming at it from any writing is, is practice. It's helpful. It doesn't matter what you're working on. If you're not going to show it to a soul, if you're writing fan fiction, if you're just, you know, writing in your journal, any kind of writing is helpful and it's all good practice. I don't care what you're doing how you're writing it. I don't care if you're, you know, writing in blood, it, everything's <laughs> helpful. Plotting is super important and very difficult to do. Like you've got to hit story beats. You've got to, if you want to be a professional, you've got to write like a professional, but you can't, you, you don't start off doing that. It, it takes a lot of practice. And the nice thing about fanfic is the feedback you get. I mean, most of the time, if, you know, if you're just trying to be a professional writer, you're sending stuff out to agents or, you know, managers are cold. It's like, like cold query or sending stuff out to people. You're just getting like a, we're not interested at this time and not a whole lot of feedback about what you're doing wrong mm -hmm. or, um, stuff like that or what you're doing right frequently. A lot of the time, really. And honestly, most professional writing is just hearing the word no all the time, 99% of the time it's no. So 
fanfic is great because you're hearing a lot of yeses. You're hearing a lot of, this is what I really liked about it. This is what, wow, this is what you did really well. Wow, I really loved this line. And you're never going to get that um, professionally unless you get something made, published, and you're, you know, you get like an actual critic comes in and then they're going to say what they didn't like too. But really the positive reinforcement and the feedback that you get from fan from fan fiction, I think is really a great thing and not something that a lot of people get. So I think fanfic is amazing practice for trying to be a professional writer. So you have, you threw a lot of stuff at me and I, I Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 it's good. I want to cover some of your professional stuff as well as the, um, fanfic slash fandom. Kristen, did you want to say something? And I, no, I was just wondering, has it ever come up in your professional life? Has anyone ever mentioned any of your fanfic outside of your husband? No, not really. Um, everything is sort of professionally is really about what is in front of people at the time. Everything moves really fast. So I professionally now I started professionally working for television without pity. I was a writer for that website. Um, and it never came up then. I basically, mm -hmm. you know, I was already an employee for TWAP at the time and they were looking, you know, they were looking for writers to do, they were expanding the website. It was right after NBC universal bought it. Um, and they were hoping to hire from within. And, and so I just sent in, um, samples of what they were looking for. Uh, and that's, and they were like, yes, we love it. Perfect. You're hired. And I was, it was, I think I got hired within a day doing that, but, um, now I really only do feature screenwriting. Um, and if, you know, you're sending a script out, you're, nobody really cares mm -hmm. what your qualifications are, or what you did. They care about what's on the page in front of them. If they like it, if they want to buy it, if they'd like to make it or they, if they hate it and they're moving on. So it doesn't really, you know, maybe if I become wildly successful and then like, you know, somebody interviews me and asks me where, then it'll come up, but it mm -hmm. hasn't come up. It hasn't come up in, in a good or bad way. It just hasn't come up at all. So it's not like a regular job interview where you're going to get Googled just to make sure that you're not some crazy person on Facebook or Twitter. They're, they look at what's in front of them. They're like, yes or no, this is going to work. Yep. This isn't going to work. We, yeah. Okay. Well, that's, yeah. that's definitely a different although my I have to say my experience coming in is I'm you know I'm starting on second base whereas most people are starting at home um in that way it's oh good job being quiet honey I see your shadow out there <laughs> you see my husband trying to go in his office really quietly um like okay so I started basically on second base whereas most people have to start from home they um, because my husband is a professional screenwriter has had a movie made, um, is, you know, earns a living doing it. He already had, he had an agent manager built in infrastructure really for when I started, because when I had a, a baby, I stepped away from everything, quit my job. Um, it was the same time that TWAP, um, folded, which was so, cause that was going to be, I was going to, you know, quit my main advertising job during the day. And I, once you know, I recovered from the baby once he was a little bit older. Um, I was just going to write for TWAP and work for Television Without Pity. Um, but they folded right when I went on maternity leave. And so um, then the goal was once my kid enters kindergarten, professional writing right in then. And my husband, um, 
he writes action movies. That's what he's known for. Um, and young adult adaptations. Um, whereas I am more of a, you know, I love romance, rom-coms, stuff like that. And so he had sort of my way in was he had this idea for a romantic comedy and, um, his agent was like, yeah, no one's going to look at this from you. You're the, you're the young adult guy. You're the action guy. You need to have somebody else's name on this. And so my husband approached me and was like, is this something you're interested? I loved the idea. We ended up writing together. We're still married. <laughs> it worked out great. Um, and so I sort of, I was lucky enough to get in with a bunch of built-ins. So I, I got an agent and a manager off like, I just had one built in. Not many people are coming into it like that. So I'm not sure what the query process is when you're, you know, trying to get an agent or a manager, but I do know the business pretty well. My husband's been in it for 12 years and it, I mean, well, as a professional writer for 12 years. Um, and so I know the world really well. I know a lot of writers and really, they really are, most people only interested in what's on the page in front of them. If okay. you've got a good script, you are going to get, you know, you'll be able to get representation. You just have to get it in front of the right eyes at the right time. And that can be difficult. Right. It's really all about timing. So. That's interesting that even the men get pigeonholed. They're like, no, you can't do the rom-com. I need you to do the action. That And that's really unfortunate. Like, mm -hmm. what does that say about, or what does, what does that say to a, men and boys, right? I think it's a good thing. Is it? Just as a, well, it's a step in the right direction um to be known for something you mean or not necessarily it's a step in the right direction for a um you know a cis white man to be told you know what maybe you should get a woman to do something like this with you and i mean i don't think they said that necessarily said a woman they could have said you know go get a comedy writer you know but i think the fact that his first instinct was, I should probably get a woman. We're telling, we're trying to tell the story of, you know, two people falling in love. One of them's a woman. Maybe I should get the woman's point of view. Um, he's a very talented writer, but um, I do think it was helpful having my voice. And he's he has another project he was working on that was about female vigilantes, sort of in the vein of Promising Young Woman, although it was he'd written that before Promising Young Woman came out. Um, and he. It, it, he made it a priority to get a female director attached and only take it to female producers. And, um, you know, it was gonna, most projects, most projects, every project ends up getting some kind of rewrite or polish before it sure. gets made. Um, and he was adamant that it like a female writer come in and do the polish and, mm -hmm. um, you know, make sure all the voices. And I, like he um, came to me and talked to me, but I went through, so many versions of the script being like a woman would never say that this like you know focus on this she's in a parking garage walking by herself that's scary make sure that it comes across as you know all thank those you casey that, yes yeah all those things that are the women's experience and it was actually it was really cool he opened the script with um women in different scenarios where we are inherently afraid and you know you always have that um I always say women, you know, walk through life always on guard. There's always in the back of your mind, even if you're walking down a sunny street, busy, super safe neighborhood, always in the back of your mind, you're maybe just glancing in, 
you know, a shop mirror to make sure that that guy you passed a block ago isn't behind you, you know? Mm-hmm. So you're, there's and that. And I think that's here. something like, that we can all relate to. Yeah. yeah, totally. Women, absolutely. Every single woman can relate to that. But most men go through life, not even like they don't even know. I mean, and many of them, most of them probably would care that the, the women in their lives are, this is how we're operating on a daily basis. Um, but I don't think men even think about it. So he made a point at the beginning of that script to um, have every woman be in a situation that men don't think about, but women do. Like a woman mm-hmm. walking into um, just an empty women's bathroom and looking under the stalls. Men don't look under the stall. They don't care. They're not looking for feet. You know, nothing about that weirds them out. They walk up to the urinal, they use it, they hopefully wash their hands and leave. Um, <laughs> And so it was interesting. So like he and I, I worked with him on like scenarios of like, what's something that you would never think about that I would think about every single time. And so I do think it's important that the, the industry as a whole is trying to be more inclusive of women and bring more women in writers rooms, bring more women, you know, women's voices are so mm-hmm. important. We're half the population, I think 51% of the population. And right. we want our stories told and we want them told accurately. So I, I think it's a good thing that maybe cis white male writers are being told, you know what, add a woman into this. We want to hear another voice. I think it's a good thing. Yeah. What's it like working with your husband? Is it frustrating? Does it cause any fights at home or is it generally like pretty smooth? It's pretty smooth. I mean, we both went into it with eyes wide open being, you know, with the whole, okay, Cause it's, it's very interesting. We'll, we'll share our, our own specific, you know, the stuff that we're working on ourselves with each other. It's great to have like a sounding board who, you know, understands plotting and character and all that stuff. Um, but if you're, you know, if I share something with my husband and he makes a suggestion, I can just be like, yeah, no, I don't like it <laughs> moving up, you know, and it's just, and he does the same thing to me and it's not, a, you know, we, we're over that. We're not if offended if the other person doesn't use your idea or your input, but we went into it thinking, okay, if we're going to work together, we can't do what we're, what we're usually doing is being like, yeah, no, I hate it. Anything else? Like carry on. We have to listen to each other and input the other's thoughts. And that was, I think going into it, knowing that and being like with the, the right mindset, it ended up being great. Um, I think he says it was great too. <laughs> you probably have to ask him like when I'm not around, but um, it I'll was good. The only next. issue, yeah, right. <laughs> the only issue was it was right at the beginning of the pandemic when we actually sat down to write all our plotting and stuff had been done. Our outline was finished. Our treatment was out. Um, but we sat down to write and then suddenly our son was home and we have like oh. right at the beginning of the pandemic, right? And so- I mean, he was still in kindergarten when the pandemic started. He's now in second grade. Wow. We're still going. Um, but so we had to kind of take turns going into the office and one person would watch the child and the other person mm. would write 10 pages. And then we'd either switch that day or the next day, one person would be on child duty. The other person would go back and write and revise and edit. And it, so it was a slow, a little bit of a slower process, but that was, um, you know, what are you going to do? I think that's fairly relatable for anybody who was working with children at home during the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's not going to be, it's not going to be news to anybody with kids that has been living for the last several years that that's what you ended up having to do. But, um, it worked well. I mean, it was really well received. Like our script was really well received. We 
got a um, offer on it. It hasn't even gone out wide yet because my husband's working on so many different things that it's um, to take a script out is a process. Um, and because this is a comedy um, and we're like, and he's more of a action guy, it needs a comedy pass which means it needs to, you know, more comedy stuff needs to be put into the script. And so it needs a rewrite before we even send it out. But, um, you know, one production company happened to ask our manager for it just randomly when he had it sitting, you know, I think in his email, and it was like, oh, we have this one thing if you want to read it and they wanted to buy it. And ultimately our team told us, um, we don't think you should sell right now. There's a there's the details I could go into about what the deal was and part of the reason why we turned it down, but we ended up turning it down because we want to take it out wide, but that will be a slightly longer process because it still, still needs some rewrites. So. So how is it combining? Um, Cause I'm assuming you and your husband have different writing styles, voices. I noticed a couple of your fanfic you've co-wrote with other people. Yeah. Is it difficult combining the two voices and styles together? Um, not for me personally, uh, but only because I, I, you kind of tend to ape the voice that started it, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. So um, I think my husband wrote the first 10 pages and then when he passed it off to me, I kind of aped his voice and so that there wasn't, you know, so it sort of, it reads like one person wrote it and, mm -hmm. you know, we go back and you revise that thing, but I think I, I tend to find it fairly easy to sort of chameleon my way into whatever voice I'm taking over, which is probably another thing about fan fiction is that when you're writing it, you're, you're writing in a world that already exists with characters. Everybody knows rules for the world that everybody already knows. And so you're already kind of automatically aping someone else's writing style because I'm not Chris Carter, right? I didn't come mm -hmm. up with it. I'm not Vince Gilligan, you know. So you there's already a world that exists that you have to write within that world. And there can be many different voices. Prose styles are super different. But um I think it's pr it's probably really good practice to kind of change your voice as a writer into, you know, to go with what you're working on. Um if that answers your question. Yeah. I think no. it yeah, I think I've had a lot of practice doing it. So it's it was fairly easy for me and maybe it's not for everybody. I'm I'm not sure. I've only co-wrote once with someone. Trevor and I co-wrote a fanfic together and yeah. We we struggled a little bit with having different styles. I mean, it worked out in the end, but it was a little bit of a yeah. struggle blending them together. Well, and it can I mean, it, yeah, it absolutely can be, but that's like the whole part of the beta process and yeah. like revision process. And you know, the most important part of writing is rewriting. So it can all be gelled out. It all comes out in the wash. And that was a great fanfic, by the way, that you guys oh. wrote. It was very, <laughs> thank you. Very sweet. You started writing fanfic before you started writing professionally, right? Oh yeah. I mean, I started fanfic when I was a teen, like right in college. So, you know, term papers and fanfic was how I started. <laughs> Very appropriate. How, how was that transition for you going from, you know, you, this already established world of fanfic to writing professionally, or are they just so completely different that like, it really didn't 
have much an effect on your professional writing? That's a good question. I mean, like I mentioned before, any writing is good practice. So I do think um, sort of finding your voice and finding how you like to communicate on the written page is um, important. So I, I do think it that it had, it's always had to have some impact on it, right? And it's all it was also impactful in that um, as a confidence booster, right? You're sort of when you're getting good feedback, and I was getting decent feedback. I mean, it was I don't think what I was writing was any good um, when I was in college, but you know, but some people enjoyed it, and you got so you're getting this good feedback, and it makes you more confident as a writer. And I think that confidence comes across in then everything that you do afterwards. So um even if it's only like tangentially related because when i was writing for television without pity it, there were um i was mainly writing like sort of journalistic style mm -hmm. for them um which is very different from obviously fanfics very different from screenplays that's a totally different world um but the things that you carry with you that stay with you like the confidence and your voice i think come across so it i'm sure it affected it in many like little tiny ways um, and positively for the most part, I would say. Um, but yeah, any writing is, is, is practice and you, you just, you have to just keep writing constantly. There's no, no one has, you know, perfected the craft to the point where they don't have to keep working at it. In my opinion, mm -hmm. from the most talented writer in the world to the person who's just starting. I did read one of your fix from um, 2002 last night, oh, no. and I really Which enjoyed one? it. No, it's really good. Oh, you did? It's, we, in, we were talking one? about yeah. it. Interlude in a Miserable Year. Oh my God. Where did you find it? Gossamer. I have no memory it's of it. It's on Gossamer. It's on Gossamer. It is? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have of my stuff was a handful Gossamer. of yeah. fix on Gossamer. Yeah, I went or to maybe? Gossamer and fanfic.net for your older stuff last night. Wow, you guys, look at you doing your homework. Wow, that's impressive. I, it's interesting. I have found someone brought up on Tumblr, um, my old fic, 87 Shades of Black. They like, I got an anon from someone just being like, hey, is this you? And then when I confirmed it was me, they were like, uh, yeah, can you keep writing? And I was like, oh my God, I don't even remember. Like, I remember that. I remember the first one. Apparently, there were two sequels. No memory of this whatsoever. I had to really? like Google myself. Yeah, don't remember writing the two sequels. I had to Google myself, found the archive where it was on, which is still up incredibly. Um, I didn't read them because I started reading it. I was like, nope, nope, I can't. I can't. I, can't. I, I even have trouble now go back, going back and reading fan fiction I wrote two years ago when I came back into the fandom. Um, like, release, so I don't know. Like, or what's that like release valve because that's really well written thank you yeah. no release valve. yeah that okay because that was the first thing i i go back and i cringe at some of that stuff i really yeah huh. yeah i'm just like oh god i would never have put it that way now oh that's I interesting how it. it's yeah. changed in the last two years in just like the two-year period because you're, you're you figure you're going back to college and you're like oh wow this is how i wrote in college but it's just two years yeah. it's not that big of a difference right it doesn't seem that much but i've written a lot since then and again i think i've grown a little bit sure mm -hmm. so you know I, yeah i don't know I, maybe i'm maybe just that writing thing of you're always looking forward but um yeah but the the older stuff i'm just like oh my god i don't even remember 
some of these titles. I don't even remember some of these titles. It's crazy. I'm like, how much did I write? I mean, do you still have your Yahoo email address that's on here? You know, I tried logging into it like a year and a half ago. Um, and I think I was made, I, I think I was able to get back into the, because um, I'm still using my main email address for myself personally uh, is a hotmail address that I came up with in oh, college. Wow. And the wonderful thing is it's just first name, last name at hotmail.com. It's a beautiful thing. No one has that anymore. <laughs> no one has that. So I was like, I am not getting rid of the, like this email address, even if it is hotmail. And it's now like, I think they, you know, moved it over it for, for a while. It was like a MS, MSN, I want to say. And now it's an Outlook email address, but you can still, it still goes if you write to the Hotmail account. But anyway, so, you know, the, you know, you're logging in, they're like, who are you? Like, we will send an email to this backup email address to verify if you are who you say you are. And luckily it was my old ass Hotmail account that I still use. <laughs> so I was able to verify my old um, Yahoo email address. And so I think I do still have access to it. I never check it. And the major bummer was the reason I had held on to it for so long and wanted to hold on to it for so long was in the old days of fanfic, the only feedback you got was to your email address. So I had hundreds of like emails of just feedback of, from people being like, I loved this. This is what I liked about it. So you can't go to, you know, you can't go to AO3 like you can now and see the mm -hmm. comments and the kudos and stuff. That was the only way that you knew people liked your work. And, um, Unfortunately, those emails were no longer there. Aww. I'm not sure what happened, but oh, they were gone. all deleted. Yes. Oh, I didn't realize that they could do that. Well, I mean, and like, what's because, it said to you? Yeah, it's possible because um, the that particular email address had been dormant so long. Maybe maybe they clear out. You know the cache of whatever's in there i'm not sure what their policy was but I, I hadn't touched it in probably 15 years but yeah that was sad that was a sad day to realize I'm like oh no all this feedback is just gone just totally gone maybe i should have printed it out but i'm not that much of a was feedback back then the same way where they would like take little snippets of the dialogue and quote it back to you and say, oh, this is what I really liked about it? Or was it more generic because, you know, you had to like physically go to your email address and then. I think for the most part, it was slightly more generic from my memory of it. It was a little more generic, just like, I really love this story. Thank you for sharing. Um, because that's it. I mean, like, like I said, that's the only you know, way you knew someone liked it mm -hmm. um, or anybody was even reading it because there weren't, you know, there wasn't anywhere to track your statistics or you could track like the hits really? on a certain story and how many, yeah, there's not back in the nineties. Mm. I mean, when we were posting to Usenet and stuff, oh, there was okay. no way of tracking how many people had read, oh, like had wow. clicked on it. I, I, mean, maybe, I never had to set up a website or like I never posted a fanfic in the nineties. So I, I didn't know that. Yeah, and I think maybe I, I haven't been to fanfic.net in forever. Maybe there's a way of tracking there. But back in the 90s, right at the first, when you were just posting to Usenet and Yahoo groups and stuff, there was no way to track who, like that, that anybody was even reading it. From what I remember, if someone has a, um, if someone does remember that I mean, stuff, 
The only thing Remind I me. remember is like on my GeoCities page, you had like the little clock counter of how many people had come to the website. Yes. So mm-hmm. you could kind of do that kind of tracking. Okay. But that was. Yeah, but that was that was just for your website, yes. and yeah. then but if so, if you posted a story to like a Usenet group or a Yahoo yeah. group, you had no okay. way to know. Right. So that was a bummer. I was like, oh, just the acknowledgement that it had even been read. Because that's what we're all, especially fanfic authors, you know, that's what you're doing it for. You're doing it just to be like to share it and to have, mm-hmm. to know that mm-hmm. people like are in, do having the same experience as you are. Yeah. Like, you know, it's a, it's a community. It's such a community based thing. I think it's the only kind of writing that is so community-based where you're doing it to be a part of something and everyone is reading it to be a part of something. And then you get to, you know, talk about it later because you're all, you all enjoy these characters in this world so much that you, you know, want to, you want more. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Now you, I would say are mostly known for your, um, not historically you, but AU in general, right? Yes. What is it about AU that you're drawn to? Is that also the kind of um, fanfic that you like to read? Or is that just the type that you mainly like to write? Both. I I love, if if it's a good AU, I think it's great. And I don't, I couldn't tell you why I like reading it. It's sort of just a personal preference sort of thing. But the reason I like writing it is because it takes, um, it sort of makes it, you get to explore all these different worlds, any world you want to live in, be it fantasy, historical, um, you know, modern, but, you know, with different, it's with different, you know, scenarios that your that the, you know, canon characters would never find themselves in. Um, you get to explore those things with characters that you know and love. So the rules can be different, but the rules, uh, but the characterization, and that's really what I'm in it for. I love fan fiction. I love good fanfic that has good characterization that I can read and say, yes, Mulder and Scully would do that. That is how he would react. That is how she would react. And then trying to put that into um, a totally different scenario is, I love it. I just Mm -hmm. love to explore it as a writer. And I think it may be, it sort of tells on me because I, I think as a writer, my weakest, what I'm weakest at when I am doing um, my own work, not fan fiction, my own stuff, uh, what I struggle with the most and what I have to work on the most is character work. Um, and the nice thing about fan fiction is the character work is done for you. And I know mm-hmm. those characters so well that I don't have to think about it. I don't have to work at it. I can just play and I can play in historical worlds I can play in all those you know those all those different scenarios I get to just play around without having to do the work of character because that work is already done for you um and so I like AUs the most because you get to be sort of the most creative you get to make up a lot you don't have to be canon compliant anything goes you can give people the history you want but you just have to get the characters that you know and love to 
in and out of certain scenarios. And I find that really, really fun. So that mm -hmm. tends to be why I write a lot of them. But then I also get like a lot of prompts that will be that I never would have thought of myself. Um, because the more AUs I write, the more prompts I get, and the more people will be like, hey, what about this? And I'm like, oh, yes, oh, I like <laughs> that. Oh, that would be really fun. Um, and so, you know, it's sort of a snow, it's a snowball effect of you write one, someone's like, well, what about this? And then, so you tend to write more. And so I think that a lot of, a lot of the scenarios, um, the AU scenarios I've written were prompts, not something I came up with originally. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Is there any one particular of your AUs that you love the most that was just like the most fun to write? That's the most rewarding for you? Uh, the Countess and the Earl, the Regency era, mm -hmm. were the most fun to write. I am a huge romance um, novel fan, and I love, like, Regency romances are just my favorite. It's just personal preference. Thing. I just love them. They're so fun. And the rules are really, like, the societal rules within Regency are really fun to play around in. And I, I had a ball putting R. Mulder and R. Scully into that time period, having to follow those societal rules. I just had a great time doing it. And the, my voice had to be very different. And I had a lot of fun doing that. I mean, cause you can't, they don't speak like modern Mulder and Scully. They have mm -hmm. to, you know, you have, they, you're using cadence and um, language and everything is very, um, you know, archaic. So I, I had a lot of fun changing my voice to fit into that world and trying to make it sound as authentic as I could, as far as the Regency era. I had a ball writing those. That's my favorite. That was my favorite world to play in. Did you that said, do... if someone was like, what were you going to say, Kristen? Sorry. Oh no, go ahead. Go, oh, I was finish. just going to say that said, if someone said, Hey, will you write another one? I would probably say no, not in that world. I might write another Regency era, but not, in the world of the the Earl and the Countess, usually, and I, I I found that I have the same thing with um, release valve, which is really interesting because I had a whole sequel plotted out for that, and I still do. Um, I have just don't have the motivation. The muse isn't there to continue mm. in that world. I kind of want to move on to something else. Um, That's fair. You want to play in a different field, I guess. Yeah, it's just sort of what. I'm like, if I'm not motivated, I'm not going to do it. I can't. Mm -hmm. And so um, usually I, I want to work on something new. I want to, I want, you know, I want to, I want to get the new stuff done, which I've been struggling with lately. It's been really hardly. I don't know why. I don't know if it's pandemic fatigue finally setting in, but I've had a lot of, I've only been able to write like 400 words a day, which is unusual for me if I have the time to sit down and write, I can usually crank out about 2000 words. Um, but it's been a, it's been a struggle lately, which is a bummer because I have a, a couple of things I'm working on that I would just love to get off my plate. I'm still having fun with them, but it's been a bit of a slog. Um, but yeah, I'm always looking forward. I don't, there's not a whole lot of worlds I want to go back and play when once I've done it, I've done it. So for like the Regency era six, what kind of research did you have to do? Was there any, or were you already pretty well versed? I was pretty well versed because I've read so many um, Regency era romance novels set in like London and in England. And most of them are set in that, you know, it's Regency area, which is, it was Regency mm -hmm. England. Um, 
So I knew a lot of the stuff. I, I had to do a little bit of research on like Bow Hall, um, the Bow Street Runners, just some little stuff that I had, you know, picked up on and read about and been like, oh yeah, I could, in I can incorporate that into the story. Um, but I can't write realistically about it unless I know a little bit more about it. So there was some stuff that I did have to research. Um, but I don't commit myself to reading an entire book about something. It, it, you know, I'll just read like a Wikipedia article with enough to inform the scene so that it, um, comes across like I know what I'm talking about. And after that, I just move on. What are some of your other favorite AUs that other people have written? Just out of curiosity, like what would you recommend? I know you were reading Proof Rock's Love not long ago. <laughs> I, Proof Rock is such a good writer. I love her stuff, their stuff, his stuff. I don't know if it, I don't know what their pronouns are, but such a good writer. I have problems with her characterization. But um, yes, I was reading, um, God, what is the name of it? And it's Persis, para, Paracel, I can't. Paracelsus? It's one of those things where you only ever read it. And then when you yeah. say it out loud, you're like, wait, what am I doing? I have no idea how to pronounce this. How yeah, funny. Paracelsus. I have that problem with some of your words, Casey. Yeah, thank you. Oh, hmm. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, you got to, that is my bad. But oh. yeah, so I. Paracelsus. No, it's it's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Uh, Paracelsus was, I think that's how you say it. Um, was good. I think it, it it was good. I don't know if it. I don't think I characterized it as my favorite. Um, the first time I ever read the Magician series, I freaking loved mm. it. It's so different. And you know, when I initially heard about it, I was like, so Magician series is based is like Mulder and Scully going into this fantasy world where there are magicians and ogres and you know trolls and all kinds of it's like you know very lord of the rings ish um and when i first heard about it i was like yeah i don't know i don't dislike fantasy but it's not my favorite um but when i started reading it and it started off as just the Mulder and scully we know in you know investigating a crime it, at you know a university on the east coast and you're like oh and then the way they got into the world, I was like, that's genius. And then I had a, mm. a ball seeing what the two people we know. So that was the cool thing about that AU is that it started, I would say, canon compliant. And then so it had the Mulder and Scully we know and love, modern ones that we would you know, know right off the bat, reacting to a world that was so totally different that they were not expecting. So it was almost AU for them as well. And that's, it's really that's long, long, right? It's it, very long. From the 90s, right? Yeah. It's really old. I see I, I remember someone recommended it. it to me and I was like it's so long. I don't know it's if I It's so can. long. And there's but there's like book but one, there's book payoff. two, book three, book four. Yeah. It does each yeah, book have its own I mean, resolution or do I have to read all of them? I think they sort of have their own it's been a while, so I don't want to Okay. I don't want to, you know, misconstrue exactly it, how it all works, but I mean, eventually won, like Skinner gets sucked into it. <laughs> it won in 95. Um, wow. For a spooky award or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I remember yeah, reading I, that and maybe when I was in college. Yeah, I read it the first time in college and I, yeah. I think I've read, I've read maybe book one more recently, like in the last four years I should read but not 
but I haven't read the whole thing. I haven't read like book two. I haven't read the oh, whole okay. thing in it, it since since it originally came out. Okay, um, so you have read the entire thing, just book one you recently reread. Book You'll one is a recent reread. Okay. The rest, the rest, I read twenty years ago. Okay. Um, I love Sunflower Seed and Science. Her her mm. her AU's are fantastic. I love them all. Yeah. Um, Skate Grace seventy four has a really fantastic one. The um, Set Pequod. Series, oh, yep. The, mm -hmm. Am no, I remembering that right? Is sunflower seeds. That's sunflower seeds. Is it sunflower seeds? But Skate yep. Grace 74 has a really good one too. The red and the no. Yes, yes. The red and the, the, red black. And the black. It yeah. is, is that what the it's called? Yeah. Okay. That, that one's great. Is that what it's called? For the I black like and the red. It's we recorded it, or I didn't. Um white did. and black and red. Yep. White and black. It's not the red and the black, because that's the X Files episode. That's it's the X Files episode. Black and red. Yeah, we're both a yeah, photographer yeah, yeah. and yeah. black and white and red. Oh, is that what I red. said? Black and white and red. I think you said, said white first, but doesn't matter. Damn it. I was so close. <laughs> you Google those three. If you Google those three words, yeah. Escape Grace 74, you will find yeah. it. And it is on, a fantastic read. I love on that. SoundCloud, we have it listed as black and white and red. Okay. I mean, it's sexy. It's it's a great oh, story. It's a great series. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Um, Oh no, and I there are so many more that I know and love, but um I hadn't prepared any <laughs> if I, I would have totally looked them up. Um but yeah, there are some great ones. If you guys have favorites, I could I'm sure I probably read them. Um yeah. those are the ones that just right off the bat that come mm -hmm. to me. And I'm those are the fan. kind that stick with you. Even if you love other ones, you're like, oh, this one's really stuck with me. Like Mastodon yes. Diaries, I think is really fun. The Master of the Diaries is really fun. I mean, that that's a really cool world to play in. And I love that era. Like I was like biology wise in college, I was fascinated with like megafauna and um, with that stuff that was uh, almost went into that uh, area of study. So that was fascinating to me. But that was that's another one that starts off with the Mulder and Scully that we know. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't just start off with cave people Mulder and cave people Scully. Right. It's um, it's the it's our agents being dropped into a totally alternate universe so and it's a work in progress it was never finished right was it ever know. finished i was under the impression that no oh am i totally wrong i think it might have been finished that was aka oh. jake right who wrote that i'm not sure Kristen, looking to you for help but <laughs> <laughs> have to look it up okay I mean, I do have a spreadsheet, damn it, and I will use it. Uh, yeah, I mean, one of my favorite fanfics ever which one is unfinished, we... but I just went. Oh, to the Mastodon Diaries is the one we were at. We're Mastodon Di Diaries is finished. Is it? I don't know why I thought it was a work in progress. I'm crazy. Maybe it's like going nowhere, which is I still love it, but it's it never was. Finished. Oh yeah. Oh, and speaking of AUs that are absolutely fantastic and I love to death, but are still works in progress and may never be finished is Simple by Darla Black. Mm, mm -hmm. Love, love that AU. Love it. It's so good. And that's a straight AU of, it's not our characters dropped into a crazy different world. It's our characters are different people. Okay. So not like a canon divergence. It's not canon divergence, yeah. right? It's, um, it's a straight alternate universe. Okay. Love that one. 
Um, I guess, as I kind of told you earlier, I'm really looking to like elevate people and help people who might be interested in writing or just pursuing anything that they would like to do. Um, I, I'm pretty much done with my like main questions. Um, Kristen, do you have anything to add to those questions or? I do, I do have one question just in terms of, um, so I know I've heard from like actors I work with that sometimes right or wrong casting can depend on social media numbers. And I was wondering, does that apply any in the professional writing? Like, does your social media following affect that in any way? No. And I only say that because generally speaking, the name at the, you know, top of the line, top of the line means people who get their name um, basically at the beginning of a movie. Mm-hmm. or are the first three at the end mm-hmm. um, are producers, directors, actors, writers. Those are, t- those are the top of the line talent. Yeah. Everyone else is that is below the line. Um, when you're trying to get audience butts and seats, for the most part, people are most concerned with who the actor is, who's in it. Mm-hmm. Then they're concerned with who directed it because they might really like a director's style or whatever. Um, much further down the line, they'll be like, oh, from the producers of John Wick. I love John Wick. Maybe I'll like this. They produced it. Mm-hmm. it they're trying to, you know, mm-hmm. it's a similar style. And then I think below that, many steps below that, people, the audience, just, you know, the general populace might recognize the writer and be like, oh, I really like that. If they remember mm-hmm. wrote something, very rarely happen. In my experience, I think writers are like, we know who wrote what, but most people out there, you know, Joe America is not being, is not recognizing a writer's name and going to see, going to the, like buying a ticket to see it in the theater because of a writer. So that, I don't think that matters as much because it's really a money game when it comes down Mm -hmm. to it. And the studios aren't going to get butts and seats by um, being like, Oh, this writer's popular on Twitter. Um, Maybe if um, a writer popularized their script on Twitter and it had a mm-hmm. huge like a bunch of people are then clamoring to saying I want to see this mm-hmm. um I don't think many writers do that I probably would never be like hey I wrote this thing maybe I can go viral and sell it that way for the most part that's not happening so I don't think um other than canceling yourself on social media and saying something really <laughs> stupid yeah that might get you fired off a project or that might, you know, it might come across someone's desk and they might just, you know, studio executive be like, Oh, I remember that like douchebag said something terrible about women. And I don't think women are going to go see this movie if we make it. So let's not buy it mm-hmm. for the most part. I don't think it, you know, other than a couple of specific scenarios, I don't think it matters too much about what your social media presence is. Hopefully. I've said some interesting things. So. <laughs> I also feel I stand and, by them all. I stand by my opinions, but they were my <laughs> No, but I also feel that if you are the kind of person who's more drawn to being a writer, you're not and I'm I'm not saying that this is like a rule for all writers or all non-writers, 
or, you know, actors or whatever, but they're more like behind the camera. They're not looking for the glitz and glamour. They're really trying to express themselves and tell a story. And they're not maybe going to have the most like dynamic social media accounts. And again, that's not true. I'm sure some writers have like crazy social media accounts and they're really popular and people love to hear what they have to say. Um, but just from the follower, from the people, the writers that I follow on Twitter, it's like, pretty like down, not that, ugh, not down to earth. That's not what I mean to say. Um, I find that it's more just like low key, like, Hey, here's a funny joke, like my funny joke. And, um, mm -hmm. just like a lot more down to earth than glitzy glamoury. Take a look at me. Right. Well, and like for the most part, especially when it comes to features, I'm not as familiar with TV, so, um, I can't speak to that, but as a feature writer, your work is done before before the project's even sold for the most part. Right. I mean, it, after your project sells, you'd go in and do a rewrite. Um, you might be brought in to polish another writer's script before it, you know, gets made. But any, I mean, your work is finished before anything happens. So, I mean, yeah, your, your screenplay has been done and you have nothing to do with it, generally speaking, um, even as it's shooting. You know, you might mm -hmm. end up being the writer that gets, um, they do have, like writers do, will have on, come on set to, you know, if they have, director has a question about, you know, if something's not working, we need to change the dialogue here. They'll have the, the writer do it. But for the most part, that stuff's done. Your work is finished. So not, you're not really having, you know, you're not a part of the process, like literally everyone else involves in the film or television show and tv is a little bit different because you're in a writing room and you're crafting you know your story and you're able to listen to fan feedback and just you know i'm not sure i'm not in a writer's room so i don't know you know how much of an impact that makes but at least they are more aware of what's going on in social media and what their fans are saying and they can either you know be like oh people seem to really like this character maybe we should mm -hmm. have more of that as far as feature writing done you're finished you're done. That so stuff. you basically write it. Your goal is to write it, sell it, and then you move on to the next project. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, and ideally it gets made. You sure. don't make much money. Um, I mean, you can make it, you can make a great living and never have made, have a, have a script be made. Right. Um, I know plenty of professional screenwriters who make good living, but they've never had a movie made. Um, but the, you know, your retirement really has a lot to do with if you get a movie made because the residuals are what's really important. Mm -hmm. um, and the residuals don't, you don't get residuals if you don't get something made. So and there's no shame to that. You're still doing your job and you're still working. And there's so many outside factors that I know that we've discussed separately from this podcast where it's like, mm -hmm. this is not the right time. We're not, we don't have the budget oh, for that, it, things absolutely. like that. And there's no yeah. shame in that, but you're, you're doing your job. No. And of course, like that is the ideal. Like, yes, my movie's getting made, but yeah, you're still, that doesn't mean you're not a good writer. Oh no, no, absolutely not. And it, I mean, the most rewarding thing I think is probably seeing someone on screen on the big screen saying words that you yeah. wrote, doing things that you came up with. That is gotta be one of them. I wouldn't know. I, I have, don't have a produced credit. My husband does. And um, I remember sitting with him in the theater and just being like, well, you wrote this. Now they're doing it. It's a very, very cool thing. And seeing Aww. your name come up 
um, in the credits is very, very cool. Especially if you take your friends and everybody starts clapping. Mm -hmm. And then everyone in the theater turns around me like, who's here? <laughs> Especially in LA, that happens more than you would think. Um, but yeah, where was I going with that? I don't remember. What were you saying? <laughs> I had totally. said, <laughs> happens to me all the time. I had said that um, just because the movie doesn't get made doesn't mean you're not a good writer, doesn't mean you're not doing your job properly, that there are so many outside factors. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, shoot, I had a great point, and then I got went off on a tangent. No, it's okay. It. It's okay. I tried to wrap it up earlier, and then I was like, "Oh, by the way, Kristen, do you have anything else to say?" As I'm trying to wrap up, so it's cool. We're figuring it out. No, so we'll deal. go back and wrap up now. No, if, no not if, if anyone has anything else to say. No, I wasn't. I, I was just curious about social media because I know yeah. from actors I work with how important a social media following sure. is, and like. I mean, they're in, like, at intermission, they're recording TikToks, like, in costume, like, funny TikToks to, like, put out there to gain more yeah. followers. And it's just such an interesting shift that I've seen happen through my career with actors and social media. And how important. Luckily, yeah, thank God that we, I don't, you don't have to, for the most part, writers don't have to be out there hustling on social media in order to get work. Right. Yeah. You do have to hustle you know, you have to keep your name out there. You have to keep writing. You have to keep releasing spec scripts. Um, you have to take general meetings. You have to meet with producers and studios and, you know, there's a lot, you do have to hustle. There's a lot mm -hmm. of hustle. Um, but luckily it's not within social media. It's a lot of stay in touch, keep writing, keep taking meetings. Mm -hmm. Um, and that kind of thing. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there's still hustle involved. It's not like you just get sit, sit back on your laurels and let it all come to you. Sure. And I mean, then this is even very successful screenwriters still really have to hustle. Like, you know, a lot of people think once you get a movie made, everybody's knocking down your door. And and for that is true. For, you know, you, you get, it opens a lot more doors, but you still have to do the work, you know, and it's, um, you don't just, people don't just call you and say, Hey, we want you to write this. You have to go in and pitch you know, you have to, then they have to decide if they like it. And then you have to sort of, you have to craft your pitch with your producer or craft your pitch, you know, with the studio executive who really wants their, you know, to take it to their boss and get you hired on the project. There's a lot, a lot of hustle and a lot of work going on behind the scenes that doesn't have anything to do with writing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, um, yeah, I know you want to, encourage people especially young, young fanfic writers or people that might want to become writers but it right. is a very tough business if you well, want so to write in hollywood what advice would you give people that, that's where i was going with the wrap up earlier what advice would you okay. give people so <laughs> it's interesting a, a lot of people come up to us um and they'll say hey oh you're like you're a writer my son really wants to be a screenwriter what should i tell him to be honest, our first, um, the first thing we always say is, uh, don't, <laughs> don't do this. Um, it I've is, heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. It is, unless you are great with rejection, because that is what you are going to get for a very long time before you are become a professional and you're going to continue to get it as a professional. Uh, if you think you can handle that, then my advice is, write, 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 never stop writing, never stop 
researching, um, read books about the craft. Um, Save the Cat by Blake books? Snyder is very, okay. yeah. Uh, Save the Cat by Blake Snyder is a great book. Um, you, you know, it has all the story beats that you want to hit and how to hit them. I mean, you got to figure it out, but it's a great one. Um, there's a book called Story by Robert McKee. That's very, very good. I would recommend the audiobook because he narrates it and it's actually a very fascinating listen. Mm. Um, uh, those are two. Um, Panachuk, what's the guy? I, man, I remember his name. He's got a great book on writing. Um, he's the guy who wrote Fight Club. Chuck, mm. Chuck Panachuk. Yeah. Um, he's got another great book on writing. So do your research, take classes. I went to film school. My husband went to film school. We both have degrees in film. Um, you don't have to have a degree in film. You don't have to have experience as a writer to do it. No one's, you know, no one's checking your resume. Um, but it That's is helpful. Yeah, but it is helpful, uh, especially knowing how films get made, TV gets made, the, you know, the technical part of it. Mm -hmm. It's good to have that knowledge um, just to work in, an, you're trying to work in the industry, you should probably understand how it all works. Uh, and that's another thing. I would listen to podcasts by screenwriters, for screenwriters. Um, the, um, God, why am I blank? Oh, Script Notes is a great podcast to listen to. Uh, that's by John August and Craig Mazin. They're both very talented writers, very successful writers. Um, there is, um, God, what's, there's another one. Let me just look it up really quick. Yeah, Screaming Into the Hollywood Abyss is a great one. That's a great name. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, and my, my husband's actually been, he was interviewed on it once and, um, ended up co-hosting once when one of the other, one of the hosts was unavailable. Um, but it's a really good one. That one is about failure in Hollywood. Mm. It's just about failure and there you, it would be surprised and encouraged. I think young writers to see how many, um, very successful people failed miserably, spectacularly and still are able to still get jobs and still work. That can be a nice one because you can be like, you can kind of see yourself in these people that you might have otherwise just thought we're just always good at it. Always got the job, never heard the word no. You'll find out that, you know, what you're going through is the same thing that everybody goes through. So that's a- I was just gonna say, can I one. say how tired I am of these stories? Like, yeah, he knew he didn't really know what he was doing. He just had a great idea, and he just lucked out and made it in Hollywood. And you're like, "Fuck you!" Yeah, and I and I know that, those yeah. stories. Those are like the amazing stories. You're like, that's the story that people want to hear because it's dynamic and it's fun and it like gives you that little bit of hope. But when you actually hear the story of the nitty gritty and what you have to do you know, day after day and year after year, you're like, oh, this paints a more realistic picture of what it might be yeah, like. I, those stories are great, but they're also not the whole story. There's no way it's the whole story. And that person good came up know. with a great idea and sold it. Um, still, they're not, you know, people, you still have to work your ass off after sure. that, you know? So there are ways in. Um, I know a lot of screenwriters and aspiring screenwriters do enter contests screenwriting contests. Um, I don't know how I feel about them personally. Um, usually that you have to pay a fee and I don't like that at all. Um, I will say advice from the trenches do, if you're an aspiring screenwriter and someone says, Hey, 
if you give me 50 bucks, I can be your agent or mm. that is not, do not give anyone money ever. That is not how it works. Um, Tell them how it does really work careful. so they know. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's a little bit different for everybody. Some people get their agents from like a contest, like a screenwriting contest, mm -hmm. you know, the, if you read, if you're, if you want to join contests, great, but look into it, make sure it's legitimate, make sure it's been around a while. Um, you know, see what scripts won and if, if anything happened to them. Um, in the, cause in, in those cases you do have to, I think there's an entry fee to have your script read because they do have, um, judges that come like professionals that come in and read the script and will give you feedback, which is always good. It's always good to get feedback. Um, some people get their agents that way. Um, some people will get the, you know, the address of an agent or man, like agency or management company and just send it in cold with a query letter. I think that probably can happen. Um, really, it's about who you know. And my advice is get a job in Hollywood, even if it's just in the mailroom at CAA, get a job in Hollywood. You will meet people and eventually some, you can pass it to someone that will read it and pass it on to the right person. I think that's the best way to go about doing it. But that's also how like my husband and I have gone like have gone about our careers. And so I know, I know it worked for us. My husband started as um, he took an internship. He had an internship with revolution studios um, during college. Like he did a semester abroad in Los Angeles and then they liked him enough that right out of college, they hired him to be the assistant to the director of development at revolution studios. And he worked there for years, put in tons of hours. This is Hollywood assistants make no money and work insane hours but they, you meet everybody, you talk to everybody right. and eventually you make connections and friendships that will get you where you need to be. In my husband's case, his, um, the director of development, his boss, he said, Hey, I wrote something. We read it. His boss liked it, gave it to a manager. He signed a manager, the manager got him an agent. Here we all are right. 12 years later. Um, but you've got to work for it. And I know, I don't want to say you have to live in LA or New York, but it does help because if you want to work in the industry, you have to kind of live here. Um, but it, it is possible to do from elsewhere. Uh, it is just a little bit harder because it's about making those connections. And I do think that social media can help. Um, I know that there are a lot of writers who are, who are, who their DMS are open on Twitter, um, that are successful. And if you have a question other than, Hey, will you read this? And Hey, how do you get an agent? How do I break into the business? And will you read this are two questions. Never ask, never ask a writer to read their stuff or ask them how to break into the business because it's different for everybody mm -hmm. for one thing. Um, and asking for a read can be a dicey proposition legally. So uh, most writers will just say no off the bat um, because you know, you don't want your, like they don't want to get sued later, whatever. And the WGA itself, the writers Guild of America who um, is the, uh, union for Hollywood screenwriters um, advises you not to read other people's stuff that aren't already within the Writers Guild. So um, they're just trying to, you know, protect their members. Um, but a lot of those, I'm like with the caveat of don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. What you can do is if you have specific questions, 
um, a lot of those writers, their DMs are open and they will respond to you. And I've, I've mm-hmm. seen some really good advice come from very successful people um, on Twitter and other social media platforms. So, you know, if you have a good, thoughtful question and uh, or, you know, I wouldn't say, here's my idea. Is it good? <laughs> if you have something like that, like make connections that way with mm-hmm. thoughtful, intelligent, you know, questions and follow, listen to these podcasts. Uh, they're going to have some good episodes on how to break into the industry, stuff like that. And they will have advice. Listen to people who've done it and try to do what they did. That's, that's great advice. advice. Yeah. Thank you, Casey. That's awesome. Sure. I think that's it. I think that's it. I think that Casey, thank you so much. Yes, thank oh, you're you. very welcome. That you're was so welcome. much fun. I guess the only thing is if people don't know where to find you on social media and they're crazy, if they're not already following you, where can they follow you? Um, I am pretty sure I'm at slipping Mickey's on Twitter. It's easy to find, or you could just, um, do like a Twitter search for flipping Mickey's or slipping M. Um, I came up with my, hold on, my cat's being really bad. Stop it. This is why you were kicked out. All right. Sorry. Um, yeah. So when I came up with my name, my fanfic nom de plume, I was 19 and bad blood had literally just aired. And I was obsessed with that episode. It was so good. And I was like, okay, I want to use something from bad blood. And when Mulder said, who slipped on the Mickey? I was like, aha. There's my name um, without really thinking about the implication of what Slippin' Mickey meant <laughs> and how it would follow me into the future. So yeah, I remember like for the most part, I just do on social media on that specific um, fandom account. I just mostly post fandom stuff, but I will occasionally, you know, if I see someone in my timeline, I'll comment on it. Um, and some, someone was being a douchebag and I like called him on him being a douchebag. And he was like, yeah, someone who's like slipping people Mickey's. And I was like, oh, yeah, that is <laughs> not a good look. So I, I shortened it to slip an M just so it's not quite so um, people who don't know what it's from or what I do aren't quite as shocked that I am interacting with them on Twitter from a weird sounding account. But um, yeah, that's how to find me. Short story, very long. That is how you find me on Twitter. We love your stories. So keep at it. Thank you very much. And thanks for having me, you guys. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank thank you you. so much, Casey. Sure. And if anyone has any questions about the business or writing questions or whatever, um, I'm not always available to read your stuff, but I'm happy to answer questions. So feel free to reach out on DM or Twitter or whatever. Thank you for making yourself available for all that. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me, you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Um, okay, Annie, cool. Your, your microphone in the certain light could almost be um, a penis of the day. <laughs> the Fangirls Library is hosted by Kristen and Annie and is part of the AFP network. Music and artwork by Trevor Nelson. Mastering by Moving Air Studios. You can find us on Twitter at Fangirl Library, on Patreon at Fangirls Library, on Instagram at Fangirls Library Podcast, the Fangirls Library.